All right, guys. So it's a special episode of the My Love of Golf podcast that we bring you. And we probably recorded in two parts. So I've, I've left uh, Rocket on the on ice for a moment, but I do have a special guest all the way from County Clare in Ireland, a young man who you, you may know as Paddy Golf, if you follow him on Instagram uh, or on YouTube, very prolific on YouTube as well, but a young man by the name of Podrick Lynch, who is joining me to help me start the preview for the Irish Open, which is being held at his home course this week in La Hinch. Padraig, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me, and especially with the, the time difference between the two of us. So I appreciate you seeing up late to have a chat. No, mate. It's uh, We're 24-7 here at the My Love of Golf podcast, mate. Whenever we get the chance to talk, we're on the line. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but no, it's a Sunday morning for you, and uh, and you're over in County Clare right now. Is that is that correct? That's right, Jess. I'm from a place called Kilfenora. It's about 10, 15 minutes away from, from the course. Um, grew up here, um, so I'm 32 now, so the, the first half of my life, first 17, 18 years would have spent here. Famous for two things, as I always say, I've said it in every interview of my whole life, is uh, Kilfenora is famous for two things. Kilfenora Cayley Band, so a lot of Irish people in, in Australia might, might get that one, but they'll definitely get the second reference, which is Father Ted. Father Ted was filmed here. Um, for, for the making of that of that BBC series, so yeah, mate, I never thought that uh, we'd be covering a little bit of golf and a little bit of travel, and and we were just sort of speaking off air a, a moment ago, and I've been to your part of the world, as I said, and if anyone was thinking about going to Ireland, you have to go to County Clare, and you have to do, you know, that part of the coast, and obviously, if you're a golfer, you're listening to this, you must go to La Hinch. Now, La Hinch for me was like an out-of-body golfing experience. I'd have to put it there as probably one of the top destinations, the top destinations that, that I've ever experienced, and I just enjoyed it so much. So I just thought that, uh, Paddy, you'd jump on and tell us tell us about the course. What what can you tell my listeners about La Hinch that they're going to watch this weekend on the Irish Open? Well, I suppose... In terms, in terms of golf courses and what it looks like, um, now I haven't been to Australia, but going from the imagery of, of Australian courses, the imagery might be quite similar in terms of that lengthy field, running hard, running fast. Um, but I suppose what sets the hinge apart amongst or, or across the other, we'll say, links course across Ireland, is just the sheer size of, of the dunes. And I hope the media covering the events capture that well. Um, but it's just the, sh- the sheer size of them and, and that it's not that you play golf around them, but that the golf is played through them. And um, when you're on the ground, that that's the real the real difference compared to other courses I would have played. I'm not sure. You, you played there before, I think. We, we spoke before. Yep. Um, which I, even I played a bit of golf in the States and I suppose that's the big difference. That's the big difference is um, between golfing in the States where a lot of, a lot of people come to play the hinge is just the, sh- the sheer difference it is compared to anything else we've played before. And I suppose I'm I'm not based in 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 the Hinch or Kilfenora these days. I'm based up up east in in the big smoke as we call it in Dublin, and um, for work purposes, so the, the boom is back, baby, but but only in Dublin. Um, but like that, I played a, a bit more golf now around Ireland, and and even compared to say to the inverted commas top courses in the country, um, the Hinch 
you, you might put it in a line with the likes of Barry Bunyan or maybe Dylan Begg. There's a bit of rivalry there. Um, there's literally only three, four courses in the Republic. There's the Port Rushes up north, which definitely would be um, um, level pegging, um, if not just above it. But yeah, it's just, it's you've never played anything like it. And until you actually have that Lahinch experience, um, you, you got to go out to understand for yourself. Now, for the golf architecture buffs that uh, listen and tune in when we do a Roscoe and Rocket episode, you know, Lahinch is one of those handful of courses um, outside of Scotland that has its foundations with old Tom Morris. And I don't know, I don't know the exact history of what brought old Tom Morris across to the, the west of Ireland there, but he certainly, you know, laid out the original, the original course is that right? Is it? Can you fill me in on a bit of the history if I miss the gaps there? Yeah, so like, I, oftentimes I don't like, um, I don't like admitting it, but we have to thank the British Army for the hint, really, um, <laughs> of all people. Uh, but it was in 1892 that there was a, a regiment of the British Army was based in, in in Ireland, and they went to the west, the west coast of Clare, um, in search of an area where they could play golf, and they discovered the hint. Um, and that was in 1892. And I don't know if people saw, I know people in Ireland would have seen it, but maybe people across across the world may not. But there was an ad when Ian Poulter was announced as the um, one of the marquee players, one of the better players, and um, coming to play next week or this week. And um, he's the postman, you know, from Ryder Cup, hmm, nice. uh, legendary in folklore. And um, you see, Le Hinch was founded in Charity Hotel on Main Street in Le Hinch by those few people that played it that day. And now it is the post office in the hinge. Right. So that's where that link comes in. Um, and that's why he was made of a, a postman being an ad uh, on the advertisement for the Irish Open. Um, and it was a couple of years later then in 1894 that Alexander Shaw, who was one of those officers searching for an area of land, he invited old Tom Morris right. to come and design the course. So that's, that's where that link is. Um, so he placed great emphasis on, on the sand dune side of the links um, and a quote there that he would have said was, you know, it's the finest natural course he's ever seen. And that ties in with the visit from Tom Watson in the 80s. And if anybody's going to the hinge next week, if you can, get up to the ninth tee box. It is the, 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 the highest vantage point on the course. And Tom Watson stood there. Now, granted, it was before Holiday Homes and stuff were, were around the place. Um, but he stood there in the little stone stone on the very top of the, of, the, of the little of the massive sand in there and he said this is the most beautiful place um, that I've ever seen so there's two Tom's um, Tom quotes for you Well I remember seeing that stone and uh, and I remember sitting there and just taking a moment because I'm a big Tom Watson fan you know I'm a product of the 70s and 80s uh, golf environment and yeah he was a hero of mine so that was nice when I, when I saw that there and, and I felt exactly the same and it is a beautiful spot. Now, so going on after that, you know, probably the next most significant architectural change was when Dr. Alistair McKenzie was involved in doing some work on the course. Now, what was what was the extent of Dr. Alistair McKenzie's work? Can you can you help us uh, articulate that? Uh, the, extent, <laughs> the extent of his work. Um uh, well, I wasn't around at the time. Of course. Um, so the- <laughs> you're, 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 you're just a young whippersnapper, mate. <laughs> But, uh, but I suppose anybody who visits down, especially from our, our friends in the States, um, they come for the McKenzie uh, history, really. 
Right. Um, given the fact, and, and, and we always say, oh, but well, before, you know, McKenzie designed it and then he went on to design a little place in Georgia. You know, that's what we'd say. <laughs> Correct. Uh, you know, a uh, little place, Augusta International or Augusta National, you know. Um, obviously, you know, one of the most famous golf courts in the world. Um, and I suppose, yeah, he, he was he was sought out. He was invited to, to submit a design. Um, and at the time, he said, it will make the finest and most popular course that he ever constructed. Now he went on a few years later and possibly made a more popular one. Um, but his work is renowned around the world. And I suppose it's more so the McKinsey Greens. And I carried in the hints for, for seven, eight years, put me through college. Um, but all of the Americans more so would have come and said, are these the original Greens? You know, yeah. um, show me the McKenzie greens because uh, in, in the early noughties it was there was um, a couple of changes with a couple of par trees because mm-hmm. Mr. Hartree who will move on to next I would imagine. Um, so there's a, a new eleventh. We still have eleven A, which is the original McKenzie. So um, in terms of of what McKenzie brings, it's definitely that history. He was renowned for his undulating triple tier greens, um, and I suppose when I go and I visit other other courses, it's really it's really when I spot other un, really undulating greens that I take notice because for me it's just it's it's a natural occurrence. Sure, what other type of green would you have? Um, <laughs> you know, so, so uh, flat pancakes or or, or horseshoe stuff. It, it doesn't really even suit my eye because I've gone up um, looking at McKenzie greens. So the eleventh, did you say the eleven eleven A? So the alternate hole there is. The McKenzie original. So yeah, we 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 correct. Yeah, yeah, we played through the winter time um, because the new one we were still called the new one. You know, so that's rested because it gets a lot of traffic. And where it is in the golf course is actually exposed to the weather a lot. Um, so it, you're, you're you're looking at shooting right over out onto the Atlantic Ocean. So it gets pretty heavy, good weather and and bad weather. Those few days in Ireland when there's bad weather. Um, but yeah, I, I did see something interesting. Was McKenzie was two thousand pounds at the time, um, and if you're two thousand pounds now, um, you might get four drivers for it. <laughs> um, but I did. I just did quickly in terms of like an inflation calculator. That's the equivalent of like um, uh, maybe thirty thousand. So I'm, I'm sure it's more now. But um, yeah, it's an insane amount of money back then in in the 1920s. Well. I don't think we're going to get Cor and Crenshaw or Doak or um, Gil Hans for thirty thousand these days, mate. So I think you got. I, I think I think you guys got a lot, got off lightly. But uh, that's interesting about the eleventh hole um, for me because I when I was rocked when I rocked into La Hinch, uh, it was on a Sunday. Flew into uh, Shannon, picked up a car, drove up. Obviously went to the the cliffs around the corner, and then walked walked out onto the course and the South of Ireland Championship final day was being played so I went out there and had a, a you. yeah had a great walk around watching two young fellas who, whose names I can't remember and I should know but uh, I, it, it was a real eye-opener for me of what I was about to experience because uh, until that time you know the only links golf I'd really played of a significant level was the old course and which I still love but walking up and down those dunes and in and out those hills you know watching those young fellas play and hit these unbelievable shots and I'm going out to play this the next day I'm thinking oh my goodness you know what's what what have I got myself in for but down over at the 11th there I remember stumbling across a green which was obviously not in play and that was the and that's the green that you were talking about there you go I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know that 
oh, I'm happy. I'm happy that I. There you go. I went. Well, I went. I went off wandering. You've been on one. Yeah. Well, I went off wandering by myself, and I thought, well, I've got to try and find my way back to the clubhouse here, and. I came around the corner of one of the sand dunes and there was a couple of goats there. And I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> so um, what's the story with the goats? They're famous. Um, they are famous, yeah. And I suppose I grew up just like all over the club and I were growing up knowing that the goats on the course and I would have always treated them as the weatherman, you know. And to, to be quite honest, I'm not quite sure where they originated. Um, it's there in the, the history annals over time. And something is my son is, is is awesome, so he's big into dates. So we're, we're gradually getting through the the history of Lehinch book we have for the 125th anniversary, mm-hmm. our centenary year. Um, so when we get to the goats, he'll definitely get um, a giggle out of that one. <laughs> um, but they, they were the old story was the original goats. They used to come in. They they lived out in the course, uh, and they used to come in around the clubhouse when it's. Uh, bad weather was forecast, you know, because it was shelter for them. So, um, while the original goats are no longer around, we still have goats in the course. Um, and to a level, they are trained, I think, that, um, when they're, when they're, when they're first brought that, you know, when it's raining, so I think someone went out and got them in the early, <laughs> early months and years, uh, so that, and gave them food and they got in so that even now, uh, when, when it is due to be bad weather, they still come around. And the clubhouse, which is still fun, you, but um, you but may, yeah, that, that's where the ghost, that's where the ghost story originated. You may have just smashed one of one part of the dream of Lynch that I do have because that day of walking around for the south, it was a beautiful sunny day. And they're obviously down near the eleventh somewhere there, and and the people walking around didn't bother them. I thought, oh, this is interesting. Anyway, as it was the next day, the Monday that I played, it was a howler of a day. You know, the wind was sheet, rain was sheeting in sideways. And sure enough, I think when we got to like the first, second, somewhere up near the second or ninth green or somewhere up around there, there were the goats, mm-hmm. much much closer to the clubhouse. Than, and I thought, well, there you go. That's that's true. But someone's out there dropped a bit of food for them. Is that what you're telling me? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I do know that there's a good old story of um, an old secretary of the club, Brood Slattery, and there's actually a, a trophy, a tournament do- um, dedicated to Brood every year in the club for the members. But there was, there used to be a barometer, like a club barometer on the wall. And um, it broke one day and he, he was the secretary at the time and, and he just wrote a note over the barometer, just sort of saying, see goats, you know, <laughs> like you see the goats, just figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the, the stories I do know about, about, about the goats and names. So Matt, let's talk about the course. And I think you've been out and had a, had a good look at it in recent times in its um, approaching championship setup. What do you think it's going to bring in terms of challenge for these guys when they step out there on the first hole come Thursday? I think the main challenge, and I suppose the, the pro game and, and the game we play, it's two totally different games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but even I suppose when, like, I'm a single handicapper player, I'm not a scratch golfer, but I'm, aspi- I'm an aspiring scratch golfer, okay? So, like, even when I set out in the first day, yes, I want to go out and I, sh- I want to shoot a good score. But there's also a large part of my brain that's saying damage control, you know. So mm-hmm. knowing when to go for a weight, knowing when to not. And I suppose the, the professors going out there, they, they want to identify when and what shots they can do, they, they can execute as they go around to, to shoot that good score. And I suppose the biggest defense we have for these guys is, is the weather, first of all. Um, 
Sully Hinch is designing the whole of the design to play for South Westerly win. So if you get that wind, it will prove testing. Um, if the wind comes from that westerly direction, maybe not so much. Um, so it's blowing South Westerly today, but it could be different. It's Ireland, so we are an island. Mm-hmm. So in three hours' time, it could blow from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I suppose that is that is a challenge in itself when you're playing golf with, with, with something that is manoeuvrable by the wind. Mm-hmm. In terms of the, the holes themselves, um, while you have some blind shots in Port Russell that would have played or Royal Country Down that a lot of European amateurs would have played in their amateur days, um, the blind shots in Lehinch take kind of take it to another level. And even now I'm thinking over the first nine holes is where the majority of the blind shots are. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got to take into account what's blind from the from the tips, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, even over the front nine, um, blind shot up three. Um, yep. Blind, famously blind second shot on four. Famously blind par three on five, the Dell. Um, so that's definitely something that they've never seen before. And I think it's going to be a bit like Marmite in terms of some will love it and some will absolutely hate it. Yeah, right. Well, let, let, uh, you have a blind... You have a bl- no, sorry, go on. Go. Yeah, you have blind, like, you have a t-shirt on six where you can't really see the fairway, you can't see the green, so it's a blind t-shirt. Blind on seven, eight is fine, nine is fine. So, like, you, there's a high level of trust uh, required off the tee in the hinge. And then you, you throw in a bit of wind... It'd be nice to see a two club wind. Mm. Um, maybe it's maybe a three club wind, and then you're then it's really down to you know do they trust their process, do they trust their swings to get the ball where they need to go. So, my recollections: first hole, just a fairly gentle away from the clubhouse fairway slopes from left to right, greens a little elevated as you approach. As a lot of links holes go, you know it's fairly generous as 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 it is you find on a lot of links courses. Second, a little bit elevated tee, par five is that right? Down the hill, round the corner, back towards the clubhouse. Par five, that's fairway snake to the left, and snake to the right, yeah, yeah. back into town. So the second green is is effectively in the town. Yep. Um, a little a little quick story of the second. I used to caddy there, and she used to rock up at four or five a.m. So you'd be first out. You might get two rounds in. Um, to carry, make a bit of money, um, but you wouldn't have breakfast. There's no shops up at four or five o'clock in the morning. So you just flip a coin, um, maybe in the first and second hole with, with the other carry buddies, um, and then whoever, whoever whoever got to go, you use the other caddy would take care of your guys or girls, take care of their bags and their lines and their reeds in the second green, and then I or, or whoever was nominated, and even for the, the the players, you know, they might have had breakfast either. They're taking off at seven a.m. You'd run up to the main street. It's 80 meters away. The shop would be open by 7, 7.30 a.m. And you'd get your breakfast rolls and maybe a couple of packs of smokes and you'd be back down before you're even on the walk to the 30. <laughs> That's how close you are to the tea and to the town in the hint. That's, the, you know, like we'll just talk about that for a sec because that's what struck me being so close. And, you know, I've only found St. Andrews and North Berwick that have that same, anywhere near that same level of feel, you know, being right mm-hmm. on the town in the in the in the uh, where the people live and the people golf, you know, and it's so close and it's, it makes it really beautiful. Um, for me, the 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 fun part of the course started on that third tee box, and that's when I went, wow, you know, shooting up the hill, beach on your left, uh, the fairway's a little bit of a sort of saddle, and you don't you don't know where you're going. And I didn't have a caddy because I'm just a 
tight Scottish Australian uh, didn't want to pay for one. <laughs> Sorry to your caddy buddies that might be listening. Oh, we, we, would have, we, would have, we would have seen the likes of you coming from far away. I know, oh, mate. Comes oh, here comes the Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> but I was with two very well-paying Americans who uh, the young boy who who caddied with those guys I got on famously with. I think they actually got a little bit shirty, the 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 guys playing because I was having more crack with the um with their caddy than they were so uh I'm not sure that they were that happy but I got on really well with him it was good fun but that third hole for me that was when I went wow you know what's going on here this is this is proper golf now and then um and then you go down the fourth and you mentioned it before famous blind the hole's called the Klondike so my my recollection you can pick me up if I don't recall it appropriately very narrow tee shoot. You know, for me, I, I didn't want to go at it with a, a wood at all. I was, I was a little bit chicken to go at it with a wood. I just went with a driving iron, which then gave me a very testing choice for second shot to try and carry this very large sand dune, which sits right in the middle of the fairway. And how high? How If you had to put a height on the Klondike um, sand dune, which sits bang in the middle of the fairway, what, how high would you say that is? I said the size of a four-bed detached house. Right, so a, four, a four-story house sitting <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And uh, there's a guy up in a little little you know pillbox, you know, up there with a flag, waving the flag at you to tell you that you're safe to play. And um, if you go for it with the driver, then you can go at the green, but it's still blind. You've still got to hit it over this blind hillock. But uh, that was that was tough. Um, heads down to the road, and then you play this par three coming back the way, called the Dell. Describe the Dell. You can have a go at describe. Did I dis- sorry, did I describe the Klondike appropriately? How, would you add? What would you add to that? Well, uh, what would I add to that? I suppose if you were playing an iron, it was definitely downwind. Um, but, but yeah, I suppose you can't really see the fairway from the tee. You mm. see a little sliver of the fairway up near the sand, the, this dune, the, the four-bed house. Um, but that looks miles away so like where is the fairway mm-hmm. I suppose it, it is one of the narrowest fairways in the country if not the world I'd imagine but um, if you do need to bail off from the tee hit it up to the right and hopefully it'll, it'll knock back down onto the fairway so it is kind of like a channel you might say um, but yeah it's it's uh, it's an experience you know, and, and it's kind of a key around the hinges you just need to be on the fairway because yep. the rough would be up and like I said you might bounce but might bounce down from the right but all the rough is up now, uh, especially for the Irish Open, so it may not bounce down. So be prepared to have almost like a baseball second shot if you go awry on, on the Klondike. Right. So then let's get down to the to the Dell. Well, the, finish on the Klondike. The green butts up against this beautiful little brick wall. Uh, it's only about two feet high, but, you know, in Australia, and I'm, I can only assume in the parts of America that I've played golf, you know, the boundary fence on a golf course is – you know, a eight foot high, you know, steel fence. Get it, keep out. This fence that we've got here at La Hinch is, is synonymous with some of the other great fences at Lynx courses. It's just a little fence. The road's there. Anyone can have a look over. You, can, you may as well have a chat to the people, you know, riding their push bikes or pushing the prams as you're putting. It's just beautiful. The Dell coming back. And we do. Sorry, what's that? <laughs> What's that? And we do. We've yeah. captured everyone going past. Yeah. I think anyone playing the golf course, you, you are, because the famous Crystal Moher are um, 15 minutes off the road, you all the time have coaches and tours and paddy wagon um, tours. Um, 
going up the road. So, like, whenever we're playing the course, you know, just give a wave to the bus and everyone from the bus waves back and, you know, it's, yeah. it's very inclusive. Beautiful. So let's talk about the Dell because that was another one that uh, just blew my mind um, when I stood on the tee there because I really had done very little research before. I, I just knew La Hinch was a magical place. I hadn't really studied it. I didn't really know a lot about Lynx Golf back then. So what happens on the Dell? It's par three. You go. It's a par three, and I suppose I um, I actually know where it goes, but I, I, I kind of a, a little joke I used to play in Americans is I'd, I'd rock up in the tee box and I'd look, you know, across the road to the houses, you know, uh, behind the tee box, you know, just because a friend of mine lived there, so I'd see if he was up for breakfast. But I'd kind of leave there maybe 20 seconds, a long 20 seconds, to kind of figure out where the hell we were going to go next. Because you don't know, um, because uh, you're, it's a blind shot. You don't see the green at all. You can see a little sliver of a section on the far right-hand side if you know where to look. And because all you see in front, if you're looking out towards the golf course, all you see are dunes and dunes upon dunes upon dunes in front of you. Um, so the, the, the Dell dune, or the Dell, it's about 158 yards up the white. Um, and the rules are not a little, not that much further as, as you're restricted by the boundary on the golf course. So it's going to be attacking out at 165 for um, for the pros next week. And um, there's a li- there's a little rock on, on the on the initial sand dune you have to go over, and that's in line with where the greenkeepers have put the pin that day. And there you go, Nelly, off you go, um, and uh, allow for the wind as you go. So. If you're lucky, and I suppose what they might do is put the pin on the right-hand side of the green on the first day so people can know where the green is. Um, but after that, so once you get over the dune, it is quite an expansive green. Um, it is one of the one of the widest greens on the course. But like that, it's like a, like a number, like a figure of eight shape. No, I was going to say it's oh, like a peanut. It, it reminded me of a peanut shape. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, it, and it's... it's Almost two tiered with a severe slope across the middle, left to right, um, not front to back. So left to right is where the severe slope is. So if your pin is on the right hand side, and if your ball is on the left, you might have to chip it, um, or you can use the undulations around to kind of put it off the green, up up the up a big hill, and for it to come back down again. But again, like iron players, you need to be you need to be accurate with your eyes. Proximity to the hole is key. And that's to be said for, for any Mackenzie Greens really is proximity to the hole is key. If you're if the pin is back right and you're front left, you know, you've you've have you've have you've a couple of elephants to put across mm. <laughs> um, in order to get a close. So um but then it's fun, it's it's like it's, if you walk away from there with a bar, I am like, you know, and it's the first five holes are the easy holes in Lynch. So if you can walk, if you can get birdie on the Klondike, um, which I believe may be a power four for the guys next week. Yep. Um, so not a power five. Um, and if you get power on the Dell, then then you're rocking a score and then you just try and keep that mm. to the 10th tee, really. So then what happens after that? What's uh, So we've got four, one, two, three, four, five. So six. Is six the one with the, as you go up the hill and, and it's sort of dog legs left back towards the water? And the little bunker. That's the one. Your memories, your memory is spot on. Yeah. So this is kind of the the marquee hole of, of our course, and this is the the show hole that will be, we'll say, on the on the front of the the open bucket this week. And and it's the view, it's 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 the scenery from the ferry, looking down onto the green and across the Atlantic Ocean, and next stop New York kind of thing. Um, 
and on a, on a nice clear day, it's, it's one of the most beautiful places to be. Actually, in the last couple of years, it's become a place where people propose um, up on the green. It, it's so beautiful. So, um, But it is treacherous from the tee box. Um, you're on out of fairway at around 240 yards. Um, and there's one of the biggest bunkers in the world there in terms of it's it's a big old kind of sand mine and there's a bunker right down the very bottom. So you're looking at maybe something that's 30 feet deep, um, 60 feet wide. But the bunker... So the, the, bunk- the pros will pop it over that. So. Do you reckon the pros will go over that bunker? No, no. you might say, oh, but pros, have, in, in a normal course, pros will be able to go over that, but which you can. It's, it's um, you know, the distances these pros are driving it, but given... And the weather, it, it plays predominantly into the wind, into your southwesterly wind. So while you might see a lot of irons off the tee, yeah. uh, but then they will have 180, 170, 180 in, in from the pro tee, and, and, and that's a long shot for pros these days. Instead of the nine irons they flick in, in America, does the, or uh, in Spain or wherever, you know. So my recollection, the bunker, be it 30 feet deep, the bunker's only actually quite small, but it's a pot bunker at the big of a 30 feet deep hole in the middle of the fairway. The caddy that uh, I chummed around that day had a name for it. Do you have the same name for that bunker? (laughs) Uh, I think it it has a couple of names. Um, I've only been in it a couple of times, so I haven't had to... (laughs) I have to say I was in there. I think some people call it like the, the devil's asshole. Some people call it the devil's asshole. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's what and that's what it looks like. If you if you pick that up and there was a devil's, I mean, we don't swear on this podcast. We have got a G rating, but uh, the devil's asshole. Um, that's what it looks like. So uh, there you go. Keep an eye out for that hot, that uh, bunker on the on the coverage. Um, hope, I'm sure they'll show it. Maybe they won't refer to it the same way. But anyway, what happens after the six, mate? Where, where do we where are we going to look out for? What are some of the key holes that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, well, you're on visually and um, difficulty-wise, you're you're in, we'll say, the A-main corner of the hinge now. Yeah. In terms of my opinion, uh, is six, seven, eight. And that's really where you'll make or break your score um, for the round and the most definitely for your front nine. It's a third, it's a third of the front nine. Um, so six, it's, it's the... Second hardest hole in the course as we play it. I'm sure the index is down for next week and we'll see how they play it. Um, but seven, seven from the back tees is majestic. Um, you're playing into kind of where two dunes um, intersect with each other. Um, so you want to play like a nice high fade off the tee. Um, you're looking at a 230 carry from, from the pros, from the back tees to, to the start of the fairway. Again, the thing about the hinge and why you need to be close proximity to the hole on the greens off the tee box and, and this is where the difference between amateur and pro is amateurs if I'm on the fairway that's great the pros if they want to have a, a decent shot at the hinge if they want to be in a specific landing zone in an area of the fairway so that it enables them to hit the, the, the better shot opens up the hole for the second, the, the second shot into the green and this is key on six it's key on seven um, so on seven you, you want to be either left uh, about 130 out or as far up the right as possible uh, on the fair. We give you about 100 in. That gives you kind of more space to work to work um, the ball if there's if there's wind um, far far up the right uh, on the fairway. Um, if it's windy, because then um, you can you can shape your ball into the green. If you're on the left hand side of the fairway, yeah, it is straight in. It's shorter. But if there's wind off the left, you really have to be pinpoint. Um, 
that seven sevens. My, the, my favourite home, of course, from the tee box. You're looking back up the beach. You're looking back up towards the town, and the vista is incredible. And then from the fair, uh, from the fair, we're then looking up to the green. Um, again, it's like the it's like the green is is like a plateau island green into the side of a sand dune with nothing but the Atlantic Ocean on the left. So I think I posted on Instagram a couple of months ago. I was honest. The lighting was nice, and I, the, the caption is like next stop New York. You know. If you go left, you're goosed. It's out of bounds left as well. It's not like you, you roll off into into roll. There's a bit of roll off area there, but then there's a cart path and then it's out of bounds. So could be very interesting um, for any any duck hookers on tour, which there isn't many, but you know, there's the album that has a tendency to go left. So then, uh, so what hole are we up to now? What what? So we've gone. We're up past eight. No, uh, nine, nine on top. Seven. Yeah, we're up, we're up on seven, up so, on seven. So eight is, is, as I said, the new part three. So if people played uh, the hit, I'm not sure of the years now, I would say pre-2004, 2003, 2004, there used to be a little part three between the second green and the now 30, that's gone. And they effectively moved the sand dune, which created 11 and created eight. Um, or created 11, the new 11, and, and created eight. And eight is a majestic, majestic country. I know I'm saying majestic a lot, but, uh, you know, from the west of Ireland, vocabulary is my strongest point over here. Um, but it is, it is, you see it on a lot of, um, a lot of brands, a lot of God for Power brands are using Lynch in their imagery and their lookbooks and the eight um, is, is, is in those a lot. Mm. In terms of the way the, the path weaves up the hill towards the green, yep. the green sits in between two big sand dunes. Again, it's that kind of peanut tree tier shape, and then surrounded by perilously deep pot bunkers. Um, so yeah, this is another one where again, if you're on the green, great stuff. If you're if you're an amateur, if you're a pro, you need to be, you need to want because essentially that green. As I think of it now, you have kind of a front right portion of about a 10-foot circle, then a big slope to the left, and you have a, another with a 10-foot circle on the left, and the same say back left and back right. And there's a big old African elephant buried underneath the green, kind of along the <laughs> midsection. So it's 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 quite undulating. Um, so where they put the, the pins on eight, that's one to watch out for if you're watching the Irish Open, wherever you're sitting down to watch it with a, with a cup of tea or, or, or a bottle of your favourite. Um, yeah, just see where they're landing the ball on eight and then see what ha- like how far the ball rolls out and how many twists and turns it makes before settling, hopefully, close to the hole. You mentioned the path there a minute ago and the path that uh, meanders up to that green, which I do remember. There are putting greens that I've played on that aren't as good as the pathways at the Hinch. They're ridiculous. The, 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 the grass on those pathways is so pure. It's, it it's, could get away as a putting green on some of the courses that I've played at. It's it's un- it's unbelievable. I suppose that that goes down to that goes down to the work the the green keepers team put in. I know Brian McDonough is, is the head guy there, and and um, Paddy Grealish, uh, the, the the two guys look after the two courses really really well. But Brian, since he's been in there, Brian is born and raised. He's from the scanner over the road, born and raised in Lynch, um, and he and his team. I think it's fifty plus for the week of the Irish Open. They're taking in, there'll be a couple of hundred um, green keepers from all around Ireland and America and across Europe coming to help Brian. Um, Kind of keep it, keep it in shape for the week. Um, but like that, uh, even down, even down to the carrot pats. And it's not, 
it's not, let's say, like an American manicured um, to within an inch of its life carpet. It's very, very natural. It's just like yeah. Brian goes out and and keeps his garden tidy. It's just a natural garden. That's yep. all. Yep. Um, the, the machinery from John Deere definitely helps. <laughs> but, um, but, um, but yeah, yeah the, the quality and standards that Lynch has kept is, is unbelievable. It's something we all take for granted. Well, I certainly take for granted sometimes um, as I walk around. Um, but yeah, they do unbelievable work. Well, one day when you get down here and play uh, the Melbourne Sandbelt, which you probably, you know, if you're a McKenzie fan, research because he had a, a very big influence over the Melbourne Sandbelt scene, you know, you'll see some similarities. There's no similarities to, to Hinch to the Sandbelt. The Sandbelt is relatively flat, but, you know, it's a different sort of topography. But in terms of cart paths and, and, and paths, you know, they're all very natural. You know, there are no real concrete paths. They're not very American, not American at all. So, um, yeah, so there's a bit, a bit of similarity there. The paths are just natural and it's like a big, a big peaceful golf course in a, you know, bush setting. It's beautiful. Anyway, so where, where, um, where do we go to from here? So we're into the back nine. What happens there? The what's the hole? What's the hole that goes down the par five that goes around to the towards the old uh, castle? Oh, that's the twelfth. Skip out a couple of holes, but um, yeah, we don't want to be on this podcast forever, and your listeners don't want to be listening to this um, this entire challenge for too long because there's no subtitles on podcasts. So hopefully, some people do understand me, mate. I've but, got um, I've got you loud and clear, mate. So that's all that matters. I'm sitting here listening, and I'm enjoying every second of the uh, your very detailed description of the best course in the world that I've played. So keep going. I, I suppose the twelfth. Okay, it's. It's um, par five. It weaves, kind of sweeps right to left um, in against the topography, so everything kicks right to left as well. There's a big bunker down there on the right-hand side that'll sweep in. A little pot fairway bunker that'll sweep in that kind of blocks it up there a little bit. Um, and it's OB all the way down the left, T to green, uh, right down to O'Brien's Bridge. Um, so that's where the... Um, the Ina River meets the Atlantic Ocean, so you might see a couple of people fishing and fly fishing there in the river. Um, it's tidal, so if you do go for a walk, just just be careful down there. And um, so hopefully you're not going for a walk to find your golf ball. Um, for for predominantly, it's it's a three shot hole for us. The pros will be being a bit further back, um, so almost on the beach. And even for them, if if you, you you can hit the green in two, but it's holding it in two is the real test here. Um, I've done it twice. My life once was that majestic high seven iron because I was hitting after hitting downwind. Um, big tee, a big, a big tee shot got me down there far enough to hit a seven iron in. Big high seven iron landed just on the front and rolled up where the pin was at the back. Now that's still 30 yards of run. And the second time I held it was I was hitting a four iron and I was at the bottom groove and it landed 100 yards short and bumped and ran ultimately of the green. So there you're kind of two ways <laughs> to hold the green here. Um, and after that, yeah, you just, it's sort of the three people who can um, manage their ball right well so they can hit it high and land it soft. But again, it plays, it's designed to play downwind. So the best look holding a shot downwind, um, especially to these, these hard farm greens that will be running 13, 14 on the spin meter as well. So is that is that a fact? Do you think they'll be he's got them running quite firm and fast? Yeah, definitely. You know, I haven't played in about three weeks, and mm-hmm. um, but even then, 
like the the speed is up. They're doing a lot of um, they're doing a lot of work to get to get them up in terms of uh, speed wise. But that's that's where they are naturally anyway. So yeah. they're not going to overdo it. And mm-hmm. um, they are naturally between twelve and thirteen for us at the height of the summer because the South of Ireland Championship is held there um, every August September time, which is one of the we'd say the top four, one of the top four or five majors amateur wise in, in Ireland. So that's where a lot of the current Irish professionals would have rolled through between the ages of sixteen and twenty four kind of as they as they make their way in their careers. So the Hinch has always kept to to, to a top order and, and the Greens would always be quite quick. because um, we try and peak at the, the performance of the course in June, July, August, September. So then what are we faced with for the rest of the uh, the eighteen? That uh, there was well, right, well, you kind of have like a mini in in corner next as I treat it. Um, 13, 14, 15. So mm-hmm. thirteen as we played is about two hundred and sixty yard par four. Mm-hmm. Now they're actually putting in a brand new tee box and um, about fifty yards further back for the pro, so it's tipping um, in around three hundred, maybe three twenty yards for them. But if you remember, um, on twelve, if you if you blocked it way right, you were in this big mine, and that same mine is on the right hand side and plays big time on this par four, this shortish par four. So it's kind of a risk reward hole, um, and the pros are treated as such as that. So they can ping down like a four or five iron left, and they're still like left uh, of the fair, and they still only have pitch mid or nine iron in, um, or you can try and go off the green, um, and there is. There is enough space there to land one and let it roll on maybe five or ten yards onto the green. It's protected by two big, two big pop buckets on the left. Um, but there is like a notice historical of salmon on the right. We, we call it, it's called the mine. Um, and that's, you know, you're, you're, you're in a 50 foot deep, um, rough. You don't know what lie you're going to get. The ball could be three feet above your feet, three foot below your feet. It could be in an absolute mire or rough. And um, so it's just unpredictable. So the percentage play is take out a four iron, go left, try and get it close. It is a birdie hole, so you do kind of walk off with a par thinking Jesus, I kind of lost the um, lost the step on the field here, but that's the risk of a ward hole. And then fourteen is fourteen is a test. It'll be four hundred and sixty five yards par four for the pros. Generally, it's playing into a hard southwesterly wind, so it's got to be hard coming into the right side of your face, we'll say. 14 is, is one of the tougher holes on the course, um, so you're, you're generally playing into into that southwesterly wind. The wind is coming into you strong, and should I say, the right half of your face. Um, and again, it's it's one of the wider favourites out there, but still in the hinge terms, not that wide. And it's the second shot. The second shot, you're playing into into the green, obviously, but you're playing through, let's say, two big sand dunes that are maybe 50 foot, 50, 60 metres, sorry, short of the green. Um, it is one of the biggest greens on the course, but it's also one of the most undulating ones. You a bunker left and right, but you're kind of in them. If you're in those who are kind of astray from the green, given it is so large compared to everything else you've played today. Um, and yeah, this is this is a hole where you're probably going to have upwards, even the pros, Seven iron, because bear in mind they hit a seven iron about 200 yards these days. Um, so they're probably hitting nine, eight, seven, depending on who you are, into, into green, which does hold, but is quite undulating. So it's key that they know which part of the green to land their ball in so that it rolls through and settles close to the pin. 15 then is the hardest on the course. So this is generally you're going back up where you came from to go down 14. So the wind is over your left shoulder now with you, hopefully. And, um, you got to hit the fair one. This one, if you go left, 
you've all these little sand dunes all the way up the left and same up the right. So the, uh, you got to be on point here and hit the fairway. There's quite a neck in the driving area. Is that is that? Do I remember that correctly? There's a, a, a pinch, That's a, right, pinches yeah. in so there. Yeah. Just that, we'll say with the pros are taking off, kind of just between that 270 to 290 landing zone, there is a big bunker and it's, it's not your standard bunker. It is quite deep and kind of angled into into the little uh, undulation in the favour there that you can't hit a 7 iron out of it. 15, so yeah, there's um, just on the landing zone on 15, we would say where the pros will land, like a 270, 295. There is a bunker that comes in uh, from the left side of the fairway, and it's not one that you can get a 7 iron out of. You basically take your medicine, you're hitting a wedge, and, and you maybe have 8 or 100 yards then once you get out of that bunker to the green. Mm-hmm. So the green, the green itself, again, uh, it's one of the wider ones. Uh, it's maybe 30 yards left to right, and it does have a big spine that runs down the middle of it. So again, undulations is key and where you want to be landing your ball off um, when you're, from your approach shot. So it's protected left and right. Um, and this, we're now to part of the course that's been more open to the elements. So by the front nine, front 13, 12, 13 holes is amongst the dunes, playing through the dunes. This is very much more where the dunes are there. They're much smaller, um, but you're more... It's more affected by the wind. So, so yeah, there's not a lot of protection um, there. I remember, I remember that uh, quite distinctly. Yeah. as as the day got on a bit. So yeah. de- definitely over the last, definitely over the last, let's say four or five holes, the pros and people playing it have to be more um, akin and pay more focus on what the wind is going to do to their ball mid-flight, mm-hmm. um, so that they get to the right area of the green. The next hole was one of my favourites. 16? Uh, 16. So 16 is going to be um, um, BMW hole-in-one prize. So whoever gets hole-in-one, hopefully there'll be one, uh, will walk away with a brand new 8-series BMW. And it is, it is, it, it, it's one of my favourite par threes. It pays 194, five yards from, from, the, from the blue tees, as we call them, the, the pro tees. But it plays severely downhill. So when I used to be heading, you'd, you'd knock off 15 to 17 yards just for the incline. And then you play. Then you play for the wind. You're looking at um, a three-tier green that has a bunker at, we'll say, five o'clock, seven o'clock, and eleven o'clock. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there's a little kind of a grass, grassy swale at, uh, at maybe one o'clock. So it is. It is one of my favourite greens on the course. In fairness, um, it is quite receptive as well, in terms of. Uh, to your body, you are teeing off from a severely high, a high tee box as well. But- um, it's a, be- it's a beautiful factory. Yeah, it's just another one of those very photogenic holes where you know you're, you're elevated. You're looking down at this beautiful green complex. You know the little stone wall and the road is in behind you, and the houses are there. And then you're looking back across you know the, the back part of Lahinch out to the out to the hills. It's just a, a beautiful little vista looking down there. It's just uh, it's very very classic links, and uh, it's really it's really nice to look at if if. Uh, Anything else other than being a pretty tough par three, from what I can remember? So, so <laughs> no, let's... it is like you're hitting. You're probably hitting a six iron. So pros, pros are probably hitting maybe a six or a seven. Yeah. So then we're nearly home. So if someone's in the lead here, the finishing holes are they holes that uh, they should be able to easily maintain their lead, or is there going to be a few little testing moments? Seventeen. If it was me, if if it was me at seventeen, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be I'd be more comfortable sitting on the eighteen tee box with the lead of, of a shot or two than on seventeen, because it's deceptively it's deceptively wide. 
um, the fairway. Um, it's one of the widest fairways on the course. It's generally mainly flat out on the left-hand side of it. And there's a power channel where you sit on the right-hand side of it. Power channel being, it, it, it kind of swells down to the right, but it, it flattens out again. So if you hit down there, it hits harder, and it's down down the side of the fairway where if you get down there, it plays for um, a shot or a second shot into the green. Mm-hmm. But you're susceptible to a bounce. Members bounce, or a Yankee bounce, as we call them. I mean, if you get the Yankee <laughs> bounce, it will pop into the rough. You get the members bounce, you'll pop 30 yards down the fairway, and you'll have a wedge in your hand for a second shot. <laughs> but from the tee box, you don't see any of that. You see nothing. Um, <laughs> because you've two, you've two units in front of you, that you just can't see the fairway. So again, trust is, is key here. Um, and uh, yeah, like it is test, it's testing from the tee shot in, in that terms, but they're pros, so there's, you know, it shouldn't be any effect. But the second shot then, it is one of the, the, the harder greens to hit and keep. It's three-tiered. You could almost say four-tiered, given the amount of undulation on it. There's a big bunker, um, short left and short right, maybe 10 yards short, um, so anyone who's trying to land it so that a rope bounces in, they better be accurate. There's a um, middle of the green left. There's a massive pot bunker left. Um, then you go through the green and you're just in SH1D. You know, <laughs> it goes green, kind of rolls. Up. I'm remembering your writing on your podcast here. Um, <laughs> you go through the you go through the green. You've about a foot worth of relief in terms of a foot worth of um, birds. And then it's into two foot stuff, two foot high. Hey, so don't be long in 17. So if the adrenaline is pumping and you have a nine, eight or nine iron in your hand, um, you know, you can't afford to be even a yard long on this one. So we walk off uh, 17. We've got a shot lead really with 18. Uh, You'd have to you'd have to go hor- horribly wrong to to mess it up on eighteen. It's it's a nice hole from what I remember, but it actually brought me unstuck. I was actually in my second round there playing very well, and I think I was maybe looking at maybe maybe three or four over par, maybe three over par, and I thought I'd be the great Australian hero and uh, go for the green in two with my three wood. Oh, we've seen we've seen many like you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, and may have ended up, may have ended up towards the uh, that beautiful little stone wall that I was referring to on the left hand side. So, but surely for these guys, it's 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 is it? Am I calling it too easy for as a finishing hole, or uh, you know what's the tricks? Well, see, where you teed off and where they've teed off are two completely different places. Granted. Um, yep. So for 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 us, even from the tips. Is for 535 yards. Mm-hmm. But for the pros, they're bringing it back. And if you remember, you might remember where the T T layout is. The 15 T boxes are in line with our 18th T boxes. So the pros T box for the Irish Open is actually going to be our 15th. If you can kind of visualize all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so hence, if you've played Lahinch, you'll understand. And if you haven't, get the Lahinch experience but the pros are basically teeing off another 60-70 yards further back from where our tips are so you're hitting you know 580-590 yards uh, I haven't measured it myself so let's say 580 would be optimistic um, up a power 5 so that's three big hits yeah, right. or that's two big hits yeah, okay. people they're on the tour they're, they're carrying a 300 yards so, so they still have two feet to let in done by our max 
Well, that but you're going to have hopefully one to two clubs out Wesley wins. Well, that changes the dynamic across across you. That changes the dynamic significantly because what I do remember, if I'm right, that green complex was. It's not a massive green, green complex down there, is it? No, there's, there's a false front on it, which yeah. catches a lot of people out. So the false front goes into the green a good bit, maybe a couple of metres. So if you roll up and as you will just roll down, you'll have a 20-yard kind of mini little chip pitch going in. The green complex isn't that difficult, but you've got to contend with, like you said, that it, it is kind of an elevated green. So if you miss it left, it is, I'm trying to measure here, it's almost like the height of a floor to get back up onto the green. Hmm. And you're probably going to be stymied up against that little stone wall that's so beautiful, but now is ruining your little backswing. <laughs> um, and then on the right-hand side of the green is maybe three or four foot high, little undulation of, of a mini hill um, that, again, you can get stuck on top of. And, and that's tight. That's tightly cut then. That's, you know, a chip is precariously enough. And you've all been long. You know, so people hitting in long irons in here, the greens are be hitting hard. So you may be two bounces from, from being in the caddy shack. Well, mate, I think we've done a pretty good job of letting the listeners have a Lahinch experience without actually going there. And to you, I say thank you because, you know, your depth and breadth of knowledge about the place, having been around there since a young fellow caddying, um, and playing now as a member and uh, in your quest for golfer of, the, golfer of the year, champion golfer of the year. Um, how's that going? That's going so well. As you can tell from my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a little project just for me to get better at golf. No, I know. I know no, I wasn't. I mate, know. mate I, didn't, I didn't raise that to – that was my little segue into, you know, closing out and letting everyone know about um, – you know, your, your work on YouTube and your very active work yeah. and very good work uh, on the this um, social media scene with Instagram, you know, which then tells everyone about your great work that you do with um, some of the charities that you work with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people can find you and, and follow you, you know, if you've liked what you've heard here and there's no reason why you wouldn't. It's been an absolute great review of the, one of the world's great golf courses. And you're about to start your and you're about to start your own podcast. So this was a little a, I am. a little precursor to, you know, what's in front of you. And uh, and I think we mentioned off air that yeah, I'm now sort of twenty five, twenty six episodes into it and still very much a newbie, still very much, you know, technically have technical challenges from here, there and everywhere. Um, don't let the young fella take the memory card out of your recorder just when you turn up to an interview. <laughs> There's one little tip. Um so, mate, I, I, I've, I've got to thank you and wish you all the best on, on your podcast journey because I look forward to tuning in. Um, and, uh, you know, if there's ever anything that I can do for you to reciprocate uh, in a podcast sense, maybe in the lead up to the President's Cup, um, anything like that, I'm more than happy to, to help. And, uh, you know, we're only a, a small little community of, you know, let's call ourselves independent, uh, you know, golf people at try and put content out like this. So we've got to stick together, pal. That's that's it. 100%. Thank you very much. No problem. So where, where can the guys find you? If they want to tune in to um, you on Instagram, you're at, here you go. Yeah, so it's at Paddy underscore golf. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for more day-to-day stuff. YouTube takes a while, takes 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 time, takes time to actually go and be on course or practice and 
and collect that, uh, those clips together and edit them for two to four hours. So YouTube is more like twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, I maybe visit somewhere and I do that video and then I kind of give an update into my quests to try and win our internal golf for the year competition in the Hinch, which is going so well, I'm already thinking of next year. <laughs> like, like most of the Liverpool fans that might be listening, but this year was pretty good for them. Um, so yeah, it's like I have a family, I work. So in terms of, like I'm really interested in golf. Um, I've an interest in creating things. I wanted to do a podcast for years. I listened to loads. So I thought, well, let's press the button. Um, so it's going to be uh, Paddy Talks. Um, I'm quite original when it comes to the names. Um, it's like the Paddy Talks show. And it'll be covering maybe golf, fitness. Um, friends of mine having the chats about upcoming tournaments. Maybe about rule changes, you know, pin it, pin out. Um, but, you know, the, the annotations you want about that. Um, just general golf chat. Also friends of mine from the sporting world, uh, from the business world. And kind of have the, the lower, the common denominator of golf in, in the middle. Where you can find all the Paddy Talks on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those beautiful places. If you can't find us, just slide it in DMs and I can even share you a personal copy of it. Beautiful, mate. I really appreciate your time. Have a great uh, Sunday and I'll send you the link to this when we push this out. And if you want to share it, you can. If you want to listen to yourself and uh, talking to a, an Aussie down here in Melbourne, more than merrier listening to uh, all of us talk. That's the that's the idea. Mate, I really appreciate it. No, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. So. Um, I don't know if I'll be in Australia in the next couple of years, but just bought a house, so my, my travelling days might be curtailed over the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, you know where I live, so Mate, anytime, brother. I don't need an excuse to get back to Ireland. I've told uh, my listeners before that I love the place, and uh, any chance that I get to go back there, I will. So might not get there in September when I'm in Scotland, but uh, that, that trip is... Mm, in the planning but um, I probably won't get to Ireland but it won't be too far away mate won't be too far away so we'll do that alright buddy thanks until next time on the My Love of Golf podcast Paddy you're a legend thanks man thanks Ross bye